when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job, and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And So, yes, to answer your question. Our purpose is to win, make no mistake about it, but it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt, uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, <laughs> like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. It's time for Carolina football. Let's get the fuck out of your seats. Spurs up. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast presented by my bookie. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm sitting here waiting on my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you Tennessee homer? I hate to break it to you guys, but the reason I'm sitting here waiting for you, Shane has not showed up for this one. It's going to be a solo pod. Before you turn off the show, it was a very busy day here in the SEC. Shane has got uh, some work responsibilities, so he's scheduled to be back on the next one. Nothing wrong with the big Tennessee homer. Just a little too busy to hop on the line here Monday evening. And I think he's still hurting from that Tennessee loss. He's... <laughs> He was all smiles and sunshine on that last one. As soon as we got off, he was down in the dumps again. And aside from his lock of the week, I think he lost. He's trying to recoup on some Monday night football bets is what he told me. So, hey, I hope it goes well for you. Maybe if you win, you get back on the show. But, uh, hey, we got a loaded show here. Not going to do a ton of previews here. We're going to do a couple. But big news, you know, we hate talking about this stuff. We avoid it like the plague if we can. But we had a ton of uh, COVID issues here. In the SEC on Monday, the Auburn-Mississippi State game has officially been postponed. That's been pushed back to December 12th. And the issue there, Mississippi State had some COVID issues, but at the same time, they because of so many opt-outs and transfers and all that, uh, they've had a, a lot of injuries as well, and they do not have the re- needed requirements to play against Auburn. And again, those numbers, we've talked about this before, but in case you missed it, you need 53 scholarship players to play. One quarterback, you got to have seven offensive linemen, four defensive linemen. And without giving away any of the names, what I understand the biggest issue here at Mississippi State is these offensive linemen. So issues there with, again, it's a mix of COVID and health and opt-outs and all that. So Mississippi State, According to one report, they're down to about 45 players. So, you know, real issues there. But uh, Mike Leach discussed it here. We're going to get to his comments in just a second. But I wish that was the only update because Sam Pittman, Arkansas, announced on Monday he has also tested positive for COVID. I believe he's the only one with the Razorbacks that tested positive. And much like Nick Saban during Georgia week, he's going to have the opportunity to test out of it. And what that uh, entails, if you remember, you gotta ha- you gotta test negative three times, and each of those tests has to be taken over a 24-hour period. So, like cousin Shane would probably be asking me right now, can you just take three right now? <laughs> no, you can't do that. Pittman's test, his test was on Sunday, got the results back on Monday, positive. So what that means on Monday, he'll test again. Let's hope he tests negative. Then he'll test again on Tuesday. If it's negative, they'll test again Wednesday. Three negatives in a row. And then on Thursday, we should have some clarity whether Sam Pittman is going to be traveling with the team to Florida. And then on top of that, unfortunately, more Texas A&M paused 
All team activities here on Monday. They're scheduled to go to Tennessee. Now, kind of better news here for Texas A&M because according to Jimbo, they only had two people test positive, but these are two people that uh, went on uh, the trip to South Carolina, and I guess they probably had it when they went on the trip is, is what they're saying. So when you have players that have – and there's one player, one staff member. When you have people test positive, now you got to worry about who's been around them without the mask on and all that. So uh, Texas A&M could have a number of guys that need to go into quarantine. That's not official. They've not released any numbers. They're going to they're gonna continue to test. So hopefully we get good news. Hopefully that game's not affected. And then another one, my God, this is this is. I'm gonna take a sip of beer. This is too much. Uh, bearded Iris is getting me through this one. All right, last COVID update here. LSU apparently having issues. They're down to one scholarship quarterback, according to the Athletic. We'll get to Coach O's comments here in a minute, but apparently that quarterback is uh, T.J. Finley, the true freshman. That he's the only one on the roster. Help, Coach O. Like I said, we'll get to him, but. They're repping the punter as the quarterback in the scout team. So I guess that's what they think of Mac Jones. But uh, all around, just a, a very, very busy day on the COVID front, unfortunately, in the SEC. We've already lost one game. Potential to lose a couple more. Let's hope and pray we don't lose any. But uh, safety first, you got to understand that. So uh, let's kick it over real quick to Mike Leach. He didn't talk a whole lot, but he kind of, you know, shares the news here and, and kind of gets his thoughts on it and, Hell, he, even he said during this presser that uh, he thinks he had COVID at one point back in March, but uh, he, he's not one of these people that uh, has tested positive at Mississippi State or anything. Coach, with the uh, the announcement about the postponement of the game, what is the what is the schedule for this week for uh, football activities? We're waiting to find out. I mean, we're going to do whatever um, they allow us to do, and uh, but uh, we got to we got to wait to find out. This is kind of unfolding, although. Um, you know, we were close to having to cancel last week. Uh, fortunately, we didn't have to. Um, <clears throat> you know, and uh, and I guess we knew, hoped it wouldn't, but knew that we were uh, there's a pretty good chance we'd have to cancel this week just because we were that close. You know. And a follow up on that too, coach. I mean, is it? It's not additional tests. It's just that you guys can't meet the threshold. Is that correct? Yes. How far uh, over that, like, um, like threshold, like, were you guys to like? How close were you to not being able to play against Vanderbilt and, and how far like kind of over it are you now? Are you like concerned? Uh, we were one from not playing against Vanderbilt and uh, and so we're some under that now. So, um, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we almost didn't play last week. Fortunately, we were able to. All right. So on the plus side for Mississippi State, you still got uh, another week to kind of get the issues solved. I mean, I don't know if they're shutting down practice. I don't think they are. I just think it's like I said, it's one of those deals where they don't have enough scholarship players able to play here on Saturday because of like what Coach Leach said. I mean, we got guys in quarantine from last week. We're going to have guys going in this week. They're just kind of overlapping. So they should still be able to practice. Maybe they'll get some good reps in here. And, uh, you know, this could be, I don't want to say good news because that's not the right word to use, but, you know, we're waiting for KJ Costello to come back from his concussion. Maybe Will Rogers coming off his first start. Maybe the lights kind of clicked on for him. He certainly looked good in that first half against Vanderbilt. So this, you know, could play to Mississippi State's advantage a little bit. You know, they were big underdog here against Auburn, to be expected. Auburn, you know, the unfortunate news for them is uh, they've already, they're coming off a bye. So they're going to have two weeks here without a game. That sucks. But it is what it is. It's out of out of their control. It's not their fault. But uh, that's just the life we're dealing with here. And the other one, let's go, let's go to Sam Pittman because this was kind of a shocking news here on Monday when this was announced. And he held a presser, kind of like Nick Saban. I was glad to see he did it. Uh, they have named Barry Odom interim coach, of course, former Missouri coach. So he's not going to be any stranger to that head coaching position. But So Sam jumped on the Skype or Zoom or whatever the hell it is at, at, uh, at his home there in Fayetteville, gave a presser and talked about how he's doing and, uh, you know, he's he's asymptomatic. That's great. So it doesn't sound like it's uh, too big of an issue right now for Pittman. And let's hope he tests out of this thing. I'm feeling great. You know, I, I you know, I'm not feeling great. I, you know, I'm embarrassed. I wish I wouldn't have got the COVID. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't done anything 
different than what I've done, you know, ever since we were on test 33 and, and the countdown was down to 12 before the regular season. I got a call this morning at 6.30 and said that I'd tested positive. And so I went up this morning to retest uh, because I feel, you know, the same as I, I have all year um, and was uh, ready to get going with Florida. We, you know, we'll certainly continue that. That's not, that won't be a problem with our coaching staff, but you know, I'm just disappointed. I mean, you get into coaching to coach and I'm just disappointed. I'm not going to have that opportunity to do that. Assuming uh, the test wasn't incorrect and, and that I don't get three, three negative tests in a row, which I'm hoping I do. Um, Sam, just kind of in the pecking order, just how much will, will Barry Odom do this week as far as head coaching and, and how, or does that change any until you're told otherwise? Well, Barry, uh, right now he's, you know, basically at practice, you know, I have uh, the tone setter for practice. And then uh, during practice, I run basically all the timing of practice and certainly uh, oversee every drill and all those things. Barry won't be able to do that because he's got a defense to get ready. Um, like today, we have the good, bad, ugly tape, and Kendall worked the good, bad on defense, or excuse me, on offense, and Barry will do it on defense, and Scott will do it on special teams. And when we go to, out to practice, uh, somebody in the equipment staff will run the timing of practice instead of me, and Barry will coach defense. But as far as the um, voice of the team and those things that'll be coach Odom and certainly if I'm not able to go to Florida on Saturday he'll he'll act as the head coach and he'll do a, a damn fine job I'm sure. Hey coach so much has been made of Felipe going back to the swamp I know he tends to keep his emotions at bay but do you have to say anything different have you all talked about that or maybe trying to keep that off limits? No and Jordan to be honest with you, that's the most disappointing thing about this darn COVID because I want to go back there with him. And that's that's the most, to this point, this, that's the most disappointing thing. But uh, he'll play well. Um, you know, Felipe knows how confident we are in him. And uh, I think he'll play well. He's, he's got the demeanor the mentality to handle going back to Florida. He knows he's a valuable part of our offense, but we have other parts. I think he just knows if he goes and does his job well, we'll have an opportunity to move the ball and score some points. But I'm excited for him to go back, and obviously I hope I'm able to go with him. There it is from the head hog himself, the guy that's going to win SEC Coach of the Year, no doubt. No matter how many times he may or may not test positive for COVID, this, this guy's the Coach of the Year in the SEC and uh, you know, thoughts and prayers to him. Hopefully, he gets, hopefully he gets better real quick and get him back on the field. And you know, you can just hear it in his voice there. I mean, he feels like he's letting his team down. It's not his fault, but uh, that's just the the guy he is. He wants to be there with his team. He wants to be there for Felipe Franks. Going back to the swamp, going back to Gainesville. It's going to be a tough, tough environment, tough game. And you know how this team plays. I was talking with someone today that said, or actually, it was uh, cousin Joe. He thought this uh, this news would inspire the Razorbacks to play even harder for him. Certainly could see that happening, but at the same time, man, there's only one Sam Pittman, you know what? And uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this week plays out without Sam Pittman in the lineup here. All right, so without Shane, we're only going to do uh, two previews here, before, and we'll get the rest of the, the matchups on the next show. Like I said, we're down to six games, so we'll have four on the next one. Unless, uh, you know, something happens and they announce another postponement or cancellation or what have you. But uh, let's go around the league. Now let's go now around, let's the go league. around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you 
look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, starting here in uh, Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Coach O spoke to the media here on Monday, and the Tigers have had a couple weeks to prepare for this one. Coming off that terrible, terrible performance against Auburn. Now, you know, they had so much momentum after that South Carolina game, just thrashed them. But now that we've seen South Carolina play Texas A&M, you certainly got to question how good of a win was that against South Carolina, who uh, they just showed no fight there in Baton Rouge. But And T.J. Finley looks so great, but then he rebounds against Auburn. And, you know, I don't want to put it all on him. He didn't have that great of a performance, but I don't think he really – cost them the game or anything. I think it was more about the fact that uh, Auburn was coming after them and LSU could get nothing going on the running game. They really need that running game to help a true freshman. And it certainly sounds like if this game is played, TJ Finley is going to be the only option because in addition to all this damn COVID news, Coach O, the big news or secondary big news, however you want to break it down, Miles Brennan out for Alabama, that's tough. I mean, this was the one we were hoping to get him back for. Could have certainly used him against Auburn. Had that extra time. Thought he'd be back for this huge rivalry game. This was the one. LSU circling the wagons. We're having a terribly disappointing season. But, hell, we can turn this thing upside down if we win this Alabama game. Still can. You know, I'm not completely writing him off after this news. But without Miles Brennan, certainly seems bleak. Because now you're going to be rolling out a true freshman here against Alabama, and he's coming off his worst performance. Although it's a, you know, he's only had a brief career, so I'm not writing off T.J. Finley. Certainly, I mean, we call him the tank for a reason. Maybe he can have an heroic performance here against Alabama. That would be something. But yeah, it's going to be tough. That goes without saying. And now the fact that they're limited on scholarships, already seeing, I think it was an Alabama player call out LSU said they're running from the challenge. I mean. That's a pretty stupid comment to make. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they got COVID to avoid Alabama. I mean, that's that's just stupid. But the real thing, one of the, the biggest questions here, you know, looking beyond just this game, LSU's already got a game against Florida that's gonna ha- that was rescheduled to December 12th. So the following week, December, I guess it would be 29th or 19th, excuse me, that would be the uh, SEC championship game. So you can't really push this Alabama game to that, obviously, because Alabama looks like they're going to be playing in that SEC title game. So what's going to happen here with this LSU game? Will the SEC get creative? Will it get canceled? Let's certainly hope not. I know this uh, the spread at this one, after Coach O's presser, it jumped all the way up to like 25 in favor of Alabama. So certainly looks like a lopsided game, but you still – want to see this game played it means that much to college football it means that much to the sec so i hope they can work this out uh, we'll have to see how it goes but uh, let's kick it over to coach o who talks a little bit about uh you know he's like yep there's some starters here that are going to be affected by these uh covid tests what they worked on in the, the bye week miles brennan the fact that he's out he may be out for the season according to coach o. i mean we're running out of season here only a couple weeks left, and what the plan is moving forward without Miles Brennan for this week. And then finally, on staying positive in a, just a year that uh, ever since the national championship game, seems like damn near everything's gone wrong for Coach O. Well, except for his love life. You said some players with COVID. Um, any potential starters missing for Saturday? Oh, sure. Sure, always, yeah. With, with, with the, the people that are in quarantine and and COVID, yeah, there's always going to be starters, yeah. There's starters involved. Hey, Coach, 
so um, obviously the, the bye week, the, the couple weeks ago, kind of helped you guys get that extra time to prepare for South Carolina. I'm, I'm curious just on both sides of the ball, how you guys feel like you maybe have addressed some problems, you know, from last, from the you know, Auburn game and just kind of how you yeah. move forward. Yeah, we worked very hard. We have a corrections period. Uh, this last week was about 20 plays and really worked hard to walk through and explain how we're going to do things, how we're going to play them, especially on defense. Now, on offense, we had a lot of mistakes, too. And uh, today, we're going to have another corrections period. We're going to keep on correcting the things that are on film because we know that we're going to see them again. Coach uh, Garland, you on Fox State New Orleans. I got uh, two questions. I'm going to follow up after the first. Uh, what's the plan with Miles uh, today? Uh, I know you said last week he did, couldn't finish a practice. How is he yeah. doing? And what's his plan for him today? Miles is out. He's out. He, he will not be ready for the game. And to follow up, is there any talk of just shutting him down for the entire season? There's some discussion of that. What was best for Miles? Uh, the doctors and them are talking to right now. See. See what's the best uh, for Miles, and we're going to do what's the best for him, whether it's getting it fixed, getting it operated now, or wait. I think we're still discussing that. Hey, Ed. Uh, seems like you got a lot of things on your plate this week. Just, uh, Do you expect to have something finalized in time to get a game plan as far as numbers go, whether you can proceed, and how would you, how would you like to approach the quarterback position this week? Well, you know, it's going to be challenging, uh, obviously, with the guys that are out and, and the quarterbacks that we have. Well, we may have to put someone else at quarterback just in case. So uh, we have a plan in place. I, I'm not going to say what we're doing because we'll give away our game plan. Uh, and we're going to go ahead. Now, when they tell me, you know, we, we had a certain number or something like that, we can't play, we can't play, uh, I think that's up to the league and Scott. And I think that by Wednesday, that should be solidified. But for right now, we're playing Alabama, we're ready to go. Coach, this is Fletcher Rackle at WDSU in New Orleans. I, I apologize for asking another quarterback-related question, but you alluded to the fact that you said you may have to play other guys there. Could you potentially shed some light on who that may be? Maybe somebody like Von Rosenberg with the baseball background? Or yeah. <laughs> he played. He played uh, quarterback uh, last week. He did a good job. But, no, Zach, Zach is our punter, but, you know, he filled in, did some scout team quarterback uh, for us. Uh, but, but you know, we're very thin there. And, uh, you know, if I, if I tell you who we're going to move there and stuff like that, it'll give away a game plan, and I can't do that. Coach, uh, you always try to – you Frank, but you always, you always try to maintain an optimistic outlook. Uh, after last season, and I know um, um, in, internally not everything goes right that we, that we were privy to seeing, but, you know, like, so many things went right for you last year. Is 2020 just in a, yeah. on a whole – how have you maintained a positive outlook when yeah. it seems like so many things have – gone wrong or gone against you this year? You know, I promised myself, Scott, when I got the job at head coach of Louisiana State University, I wasn't going to have a bad day. I'm going to come to work. I'm the head coach at LSU, man. That's something I want to do all my life. I want, no, things are going to happen. Uh, adversity is going to hit, but I'm going to stay positive because I want my team to know that we're building the championship program. That, that's what I come to work every day to do. You know, we rank number three or number four in the country right now in recruiting. Uh, we'll address some needs in recruiting. Uh, the recruits want to come here. Uh, we have some great young players. We've got some great old players. We just haven't put it all together yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. we got five games left. I look forward to playing great football. All right, that's what I like to hear. Things going to hell. Shitty season, shitty year. People calling you out. But you know what? Coach O's right. We just went 15-0, and national champions. Got his dream job. You can't can't get the smile off this man's face and i love it they're going to rebound like he said they've got one of the hell i think they just landed another recruit they got one of the top five recruiting classes in the nation with room to improve so they'll be back certainly this is this is such an unusual year i think this is going to be a year where we look back at a lot of the a lot of the teams a lot of the programs kind of went off the rails a little bit and that's just i mean that's going to be COVID. some teams handled it better than others call it an excuse if you want but hell it's a pretty damn good one to win you lose your entire team to the NFL, basically, at least your starters, and you're losing all these coaches and players getting hurt, players getting COVID. So it is what it is, and you can't bring Coach O down. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 
That means if you're a new customer to mybookie.ag and you put in the promo code that SEC, that's T H A T S E C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000. So you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately. And we mm. got this college football firing up. We're going to get into some, some picks here. But, man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here. And the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code that SEC. Well, speaking of bringing down, let's uh, jump on down <laughs> to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Alabama's uh, head coach, Nick Saban, you know, he was asked about uh, Alabama, once again ranked number one team in the nation 13 years in a row. That's an all-time AP record, 13 consecutive seasons. Alabama's been ranked number one in that poll at some point in the season. No one's ever done that. And uh, we'll, we'll get to Coach Saban here in just a moment, but that was one of the first questions he was asked on uh, the meaning of that during this COVID year, and he shut that shit down pretty quick. It was pretty funny. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is all camp. What did we talk about? We talked about this team, Alabama, the coaches' staffs, the players, everyone in that damn building. They came back for a reason. They're fired up. They want to whoop some ass. They want to make the country pay. And I think, well, certainly, you know, they got their eyes on the college football playoff and potentially Ohio State or Clemson or whoever the hell they have to face. I think their main target, well, there's probably two of them, LSU and Auburn. And they're getting the first crack here on Saturday, hopefully. And it looks like it's going to be a depleted LSU roster. So this thing could get ugly. I don't think there's anything Nick Saban enjoys Aside from SEC championship, national championship, I think the next thing on his list is winning in Baton Rouge. And I can kind of give you, he didn't talk very long here on Monday. He never does. He keeps it short. He keeps those media boys in line down there in Tuscaloosa. They're afraid to ask him questions. But during his presser, aside from the uh, number one poll question, he was asked about a couple players. And I, without a doubt, diehard Alabama and LSU fans. What did Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertan, and Eric Gilbert have in common? We'll get to it on the other side. Coach, I know that a number one ranking doesn't mean anything in November, but is it? can it be a test of maturity and focus for your players? It's just one more thing that, that could distract them if they let it, or is that just old hat at Alabama? Well, I, I do think that you made a great statement there. It means nothing at all right now. And I, I think especially in this year, because it's very, very difficult, even at this point in the season, uh, to know who has really established them as the most dangerous teams in the country on a consistent basis. You know, we have conferences that have played one games, conferences that have played three games, you know, conferences that have played more games than we played. Uh, so I think it's very, very difficult um, to be able to determine that. Uh, so I think it's even more meaningless this year than ever before. Uh, but I do think you bring up a, a good point uh, that if people get satisfied or complacent because of where they're ranked right now, that can affect their focus and ability to do continue to do the things they need to do to improve. I've always said this before. You've heard it before. You know, complacency creates a blatant disregard for doing what's right. Uh, so, you know, that's something that uh, our players are going to have to show maturity and understanding that. It's not where you are right now. It's where you finish that counts. And if you're going to finish the right way, you need to continue to uh, try to improve and do the things that we need to do to execute uh, even more consistently on a week-to-week -week basis. Hey, Coach. Um, last week you mentioned Dylan Moses' leadership and how that's kind of coming along. Just his play on the field, how have you seen that improve over the course of the season? I think Dylan has played better and better as the season has gone along. Uh, I think, you know, he probably had to get his sea legs back under him uh, early in the season after missing one entire year of football. Uh, but I think he's much more confident now. I think he feels, um, you know, better about the 
the role that he's in, in terms of assuming command and leadership and making calls and trying to help other players play better. Um, so I'm very pleased with the way he's progressed throughout the year. How has Patrick Sertain handled being sort of that veteran leader of, of the secondary this season? Well, I think Pat's done a great job. He leads by example. He always, you know, practices the way you're supposed to practice, takes coaching the way you're supposed to take coaching. Uh, I think he respects the critical eye. You know, he wants to be a good player. Uh, so, you know, he wants you to tell him how he could do things better. Uh, and uh, he's very committed to being a good player. And uh, I think he's not really a vocal guy a lot, uh, I think. But in a quiet way, he impacts everybody in a very, very positive way because of the example that he sets. And uh, he is somebody that I wish uh, every guy on our team would try to emulate in terms of uh, the character that he has as a person uh, and the competitive char character he demonstrates every day in preparing for a game as well as how he plays in a game. Yeah, you mentioned Eric Gilbert in your opening statement, and he's become a significant part of their offense as a receiver and a blocker. What does a guy with his physical traits, uh, how, how does that affect your defensive game plan? Well, it affects, uh, I think, you know, tight ends are always a tough, um, when you have really good skill players outside and you have a really good tight end, uh, it, it's almost like you're defending four wide receivers all the time. Uh, and I think that's probably the case, you know, with, um, with LSU and the players they have because they have really good players and, you know, they flex him out a lot and uh, he's very capable as a receiver, but he's also very capable as a blocker when they keep him in the core. Uh, so this, this creates significant issues in terms of matchups. I think when uh, you have this kind of tight end um, that can be vertical down the field, he's a really good receiver, uh, but he's also a very good blocker. All right. Dylan Moses. Louisiana native, Patrick Sertan, his father played in the NFL, longtime corner. Both those guys, just huge LSU targets. I think Dylan Moses was committed to LSU under Les Miles. Could be wrong about that, but I know, hell, they, they were the ones with Alabama, recruiting them since the eighth grade, you know, made that fateful decision to go to Alabama. Patrick Sertan was committed to LSU for about two years, I believe, on the eve of uh, signing day or early signing period, whichever one it was, he flipped his commitment to Alabama, if I recall the dates correctly there. And then Eric Gilbert, long time, everyone assumed, headed to Alabama or Georgia with Alabama picking up most of the momentum. And then he goes here to LSU, of course. So I just find it interesting. I find it interesting that they're bringing these three guys up in this presser and Nick Saban talking about him, I think he's trying to be subtle about their recruiting efforts because they're still in the 2021 class and beyond. Ed Orgeron, Nick Saban, Alabama, and LSU going head-to-head -head on the recruiting trail. I think he wants all those recruits to know, watch us on Saturday. We're playing in their house. Look and see what happens. All right, next game. Let's uh, jump on down to Rocky Top. Where Jeremy Pruitt met with the media here on Monday. And I mean, if you listen to Knoxville radio, if you listen to Nashville radio, you listen to Paul Feinbaum, my guy, they're ready to run Jeremy Pruitt's ass out of town. And I can't say that I blame him. I mean, that makes for good audio content, it makes for something to talk about. Let's just keep running guys off every three to four years till we get it right. Let's pay these buyouts, pay these coaches. So let these coaches recruit the guys for their system. And then once they are getting close to being upperclassmen, let's bring in someone that doesn't fit them at all. I mean, that's that sounds like a hell of a strategy, doesn't it? But um, I know Tennessee fans disappointed. Hell, I picked Tennessee to win last week. I'm, I'm one of those idiots. So, But and then here comes the second half, and Tennessee got outclassed. They got outcoached. They got outperformed. They, you know, and get – Arkansas all the credit in the world, but Tennessee had no business losing that game, I don't think. Up 13-0 at the half. Could have been even bigger based on the way they were playing. A mistake here or there, and uh, that game could have gotten out of hand in the first half. So, 
you know, again, credit Arkansas for not giving up and playing tough and, and certainly dominating the second half. But this goes back to, you know, fans don't want to hear that shit. Who cares about uh, Arkansas and what they did? This is on Tennessee. That's the feeling on Rocky Top. We got to get us a coach in here that can get this done. And who knows? I mean, it's it's kind of sick to look at it this way, but maybe this news with uh, Texas A&M having these issues with the COVID, maybe maybe they'll be a little bit shorthanded here. I mean, people don't care how you beat a team as long as you do it. So this may have provided a slight you know, crack in Texas A&M's armor. Uh, the point spread, before I jumped on this thing, it was at 12.5 in favor of A&M. It's down to 8.5. Just give you a, you know, a little indication on what's going on there when it comes to the betting line. So the money's coming in on Tennessee. This could be a uh, circle the wagons type of game here for Tennessee. But, hell, that's kind of what last week was. And they didn't get it done. So I'm not necessarily buying into that logic, but I could certainly see why somebody would be having it. But one thing that's got to give Tennessee fans – that are tired of the Jarrett Garantano era. And yes, I'm talking to you, Cousin Shane, who was too busy to hop on the line here. Certainly sounds like uh, Garantano's status up in the air. And if he's not the guy, maybe it'll be Harrison Bailey, the true freshman everybody's been dying to see after what we saw from Brian Maurer last week's game against Arkansas. He does not seem you know, up to the challenge of leading Tennessee to win. So, uh, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt, who was asked about uh, you know ways to get this offense a little bit more creative. Running the ball up the middle three times in a row doesn't seem to be a uh, recipe for success. Maybe Jim Chaney's figured that out. Maybe not. Maybe he's uh, at the buffet at the moment. But uh, let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt. Talked about that. Talked about uh, Jared Garantano's status and the game plan for the rest of the quarterbacks, as well as Tennessee's third quarter issues. Coach, how do you become more creative on offense? And do you feel the, like the way you all are playing offense with kind of ball control and running it a lot, that the margin for error for the defense is even tighter? Well, um, listen, offensively, the name of the game is scoring points. Uh, you can do it a bunch of different ways. You can run it every snap or you can throw it every snap, right? Uh, it's my belief that you probably need to be able to do both. Um, and you've got to you've got to mix it in there, uh, and you've got to keep the defense on their heels. And um, you know when you do that, sometimes you got to throw play action passes or, or drop back passes on first down. And when you do that, you got to take advantage of it. If they guard them, you got to take the check downs. You can't get holding calls. Uh, so that I mean that's we we've, we've got to call an aggressive game, and when we do that, we've got to execute it uh, to to soften the other team up. Jeremy, what's the latest on uh, Jarrett's health, and, and do you expect to have him for Saturday? It's day-to-day. Uh, obviously, our, our medical staff didn't feel like it was in his best interest to play the rest of the game, so we held him out, and so it'll be day-to-day this week. What's the, the plan if, if he's unable to go? How do you prepare for that this week? Right, so we'll, we'll work the other guys and, and see how we develop this week and work a good game plan that fits all of those guys. And as a follow-up coach, any thought on the third quarter struggles, just how you can rectify that? Has that become a mental thing? What, what do you look at with, with just you guys' inability to start the second half the, the right way or, or in a productive way? Well, if you look, I believe offensively, uh, you know, for whatever reason, we've had turnovers in that quarter. We did in Saturday, but turnovers and penalties. Um, so – you know, it, it's it's obviously something that if you're not doing it well, you you really want to go back and try to figure out why. Um, and and we've we've done that. We've been doing that. Um, you know, offensively as a as a game goes, you you see the plays that are going good. You you mark them down uh, to create a script for the second half. You meet with it at halftime, get you a good opening script. But um, you know, Saturday when we come out the second half, we uh, we get a false start and gets us in a second and 16. Uh, have two good plays there, uh, but we end up being, you know, fourth and three. So um, got to do a better job there. Defensively, um, just getting off the field uh, on third down and that on the first drive there. And obviously the two plays that I, I previously talked about. 
Jeremy, uh, obviously with a four-game losing streak, Fall Nation's getting a little restless. What do you say to them to say, hey, relax, we're getting this thing turned around? Well, I, I sure wouldn't say that. Uh, that'd be the first thing. Uh, why, you know, to me, I'm, I'm just as restless as they are, you know. So uh, I think everybody's kind of in this together. We all want the same things. Uh, you know, it, it's my name's at the, the head of the, the organization, right? I understand that. Uh, and we as a group in this organization, we got to find a way to get it going uh, and, and play the right way and finish the right way. Uh, and that's on, that's on me as the coach and uh, to get it going. And, and we're going to work hard to do that. All right, there it is from Coach Pruitt. You know, he knows the Jimbo Fisher system well. They work together. Hell, but Jimbo's going to know Jeremy Pruitt's system well because he faces it every year when he faces Nick Saban and when they're scouting South Carolina. I mean, this is all the same defensive system, so I don't know if there's really an edge there, but if there was, I'd give it to Jimbo. Certainly the way his team's playing, the way he's calling the plays right now, everything's working for Texas A&M. So while there's a ton of focus, and deservedly so, there always is on the quarterback position and Tennessee's dreadful offense, this game is probably going to come down to Tennessee's ability to stop Texas A&M particularly on the ground. I mean, Isaiah Spiller, Anaya Smith, they've got this uh, freshman running back that's running wild. We got Kellen Bond, you know, running this triple option at times and, and having, you know, massive success with it. So Tennessee, this defense, Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, his job may already be on the line. I know it's kind of sucking up to him a little too much there, but it's this is his defense. These are his players now. And they have got to man up this week against maybe the best offensive line. I don't know if I should say the best because Alabama's pretty damn good too. But if not the best, the second best in the SEC right now. You know, the, we all know <laughs> Pruitt fired his damn defensive line coach. Well, he's got to get these guys ready to play against this unit. And otherwise, I don't know what in the hell we're doing making these moves. So this one's on Pruitt. And I think it's going to come down to how well Tennessee can slow down the Aggies on the ground, if at all. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch this weekend. But let's kick it over to the other side. Let's go over to Jimbo. Giga Maggies. Where, again, he opened up his presser, announcing they had COVID issues. And, uh, like, it's not – they're not being ravaged by it or anything, thank God. But just two positive tests. But how that could really come back and get the Aggies is through – uh, the the tracing, if you I think it's called, you know, where if you're coming to close contact with one of these people that uh, tested positive, then you're probably going to have to sit out this entire week. So, uh, and I don't think they allow the players to test out of it like they do the coaches for whatever reason. I don't know why that is, but that's the way it is for for whatever reason. I guess player safety. I don't know, but that's where we're at. But here, again, it's funny because we're getting the same questions here from Jimbo that we've been getting. Since the Aggies started on this run, how do you keep your team focused? You know, is this game getting too easy? Well, hell, it certainly did look easy against South Carolina, but they looked focused as hell, too. I mean, we talked about it on the last episode. Ten possessions, seven touchdowns. That's incredibly efficient. They're dominating on third down. They're killing it in the red zone. I mean, they are just playing as well as you could possibly play at the moment. They deserve all this college football playoff hype. And, hell, even Jimbo, he goes a little bit different direction here than Saban, but he's asked about, uh, you know, the playoff reveal and the standings because that's coming pretty soon. I think – I could be way wrong here, but I think it's uh, not this week, but the it's certainly not this week, but I think it's the following week or the week after the, the debut college football playoff ranking. So – uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo Fisher, who talked about uh, traveling to Tennessee. Rocky Top, he had a pretty good line here on those upcoming playoff rankings. And then uh, the Texas A&M Aggies on their ability to impose their will on the ground this season. And then uh, he was asked a really good follow-up, too, on uh, you know just the balance of the offense, how the, the running game is just setting up the entire offense to work here in College Station this year. Yeah, Jimbo, do you uh, at the <laughs> Wasn't planning to ask this, but at this time, are you still uh, confident that y'all play this week? 
Well, yes. I mean, right now everything's full go. We'll, we'll meet and plan on things. We'll see how the quarantine tracing and all the other tests that come back are. I mean, you always plan for that, and then if you you make adjustments as you go. You said well, rat okay. poison. Okay, the other coach <laughs> said poison, rat poison. But anyway, uh, do you have any concern at all about, because you know your guys, about uh, whether or not they're going to start thinking this is too easy and taking no, it? No, I, I don't. I don't. I mean, you're always concerned with that. That's human nature. Whether you were saying it or not, or they were reading it on social media, which I know is out there, you, you, that's human nature to be doing well and say, man, I can just just relax for a second and take a break. And that's how it gets, that's how it sets in. I mean, you always are aware of that and you're always fighting that as a coach, no matter what, if you are, if you guys are praising us or not praising or whatever it is, that's just human nature. So those things that we constantly try to talk about and address in our, with our team very much. So, so you're always worried about that, but hopefully the maturity of this team will, will not allow that to happen. Okay. And if I got a follow-up, I want to ask a question about the poison, I guess. You know, you talk about controlling things. The fact, is it a little bit easier during COVID since you guys are a little bit more closer in contact and maybe don't get out too much to read us, good or bad? Uh, you still got that phone, don't you? <laughs> you still get social media, <laughs> so you can still read you and every, every comment and everything. And, hey, you, you could be at the top of a mountain and you're not isolated nowadays. I mean, just so you're getting cell service or you're so you're getting reception, that, that it, still, it still comes in. <laughs> And one last thing, since since this is the first time to Tennessee for the program, I know you've been there, and I know it won't be the same atmosphere, but anything different about going to Tennessee in your time? Yeah, they've always had good teams, good players, and loud people, and loud fans. <laughs> and when you get out of there, you hear Rocky Top for two weeks afterwards. It echoes in your head. <laughs> the college football playoff rankings are going to come out for the first time next week. Uh -huh. Do you think at all about that? No. And, and I say that, people, all you got to. No, I really don't because it's cluttered to me too. All I want to do is go prepare well to play well at Tennessee, then do it at Ole Miss. And then, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're at right now. After, if, you, if you're running a 100-meter dash and it's 60 meters, which we're six games in, we're 60% done, where you stand tells you, all right, you may know what to do, but it doesn't, it's not permanent. So you can, you can increase or decrease based off your, your disposition, psychological disposition, your ability to compete, your ability to prepare, all those things. And you got to learn to not – worry about those things and it's like we tell our players if you want the scoreboard to say what it does ignore it during the game and win your space each and every play and play your tail off if you want the season and your record to be where you're at where you're relevant ignore the record at the end and worry about the next game and the next practice and the next play and do those things as a coach whether you're preparing and do that and and that's and I truly believe that that's not cliche I truly believe that's how you get to where you're going Coach, this may seem like a simple question but just between Spiller and the offensive line for him to be leading the SEC right now in yards per carry. Obviously, you're imposing your will on defenses. Is that something that you can see during a game like, oh, man, okay, that they can't stop us right now? Well, yeah, I mean, if you feel comfort getting plays, when you're calling plays as a play caller, knowing you can go to certain things and get yards, whether it's a pass, a run, a player, uh, whatever it may be, is a big asset when you're calling a game. And that's how aggressive you can be, how you can do it, knowing if – as I call them, all right, if we're going to be aggressive here, in fact, doesn't know, I can get parts of this back right here and then get to a third down, like we're talking about making those third downs. When you have things to go to like that, it makes us a play caller. It lets your game fall in place. And then one quick follow-up. How are you getting the most out of your passing game, Coach? When we see on the outside, you don't have that one go-to receiver, so to speak, but you're spreading it out and you're, and you're still moving the ball. What's, we what's we do have a – we do. I think they're all go-to guys. They're, we're going to them in the right coverages and the right matchups whether it's the backs, the tight ends, the receivers, we're going to them with the matchups in which we want, in which we think we, we, can, we can win at. And I think, you know, everybody says you got to throw it to one guy. Well, that's not always true. You can you mix and match guys. And I think the versatility of our guys, the intelligence of our guys to move around, and that we, can, that we do have all five guys. A lot of guys throw it to all the receivers because maybe they don't have tight ends and backs that can catch it, or they don't have slot. And I'm not – I mean, that's just the facts of life. And, and, you know, we'll get to our guys. We know who the big play guys are, but at the same time, we love distribution of the ball because it, because it makes you hard to defend. And it even helps your running game because they got to defend them all, then you can still run the football also. All right, so I, you know, I've, I've tried to kind of suggest this in other ways, but I don't know if I've come out and quite just straight out said it. But you know, this just seems like a different Jimbo to me. It seems like he's exuding confidence, and he's getting it, and and his players have certainly they're playing that way. You know, it just seems like a totally confident unit. And remember, this is one of those teams we talk about all these COVID issues. They've had a lot of opt outs. 
they've had guys lost for the season during camp, and we and I was jumping off the bandwagon, and it doesn't even damn matter. I mean, they've got that goes to show you the depth that they've built here in College Station, and a lot of these guys are freshmen and sophomores, so it's only going to get better. We saw a little bit of flash of uh, Hayes King here in the last game against South Carolina. I know it was get, I know it was junk time, and it was. Uh, if I remember the play right, it was kind of like a missed tackle and it led to a big play touchdown. But, hey, they, I mean, there was promise there, and that's what you want to see. So I don't think this is one of those deals where it's going to drop off, you know, with all due respect to Kellen Mond as well as he's playing because he's been outstanding. I'm not saying Hayes King can come in there and do this now, but I'm thinking next year and the year beyond. I mean, I think he can, as long as the team's around him, I mean, they're going to build it up in the same manner. So we got a ton a positive momentum here, obviously, in College Station. That's the most obvious statement I could have made here. So, But I'm struggling I'm struggling to get through this one without Cousin Shane. So. <laughs> but I think that's a good place to end it. Uh, like I said, I, we'll get more into uh, the Arkansas-Florida matchup on the next show. I couldn't find Dan Mullen comments uh, before hopping on here. I'm sure I'll get it before long. And then we'll have a ton of other, we'll have all the other matchups that we got coming this weekend. We're waiting on some coaches to speak, but we've got games for Georgia and Missouri, Vanderbilt and Kentucky, South Carolina, Ole Miss. We'll also break those down, and, and hopefully we won't have any more cancellations, any more positive tests. Can't handle any more. I've only got so much beer at the house here. I'm going dry here, reading all this damn news, reading Twitter, seeing what's going on. But, uh, hey, that's going to do it. I'm going to cut this one short, this solo pod. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Cousin Shane, miss you. Hope your work's going all right. I hope the, this is the last time you ever put work in front of this podcast. But that's going to do it. And, uh, oh, yeah, again, if you made it this far, if you wouldn't mind going that extra step, giving us a five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, we very, very much appreciate that. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge. We've got nearly every SEC team covered. If you want to get you it, one of them koozies, just give us that review. Send it on over to that SEC podcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining me. We'll catch you on the next one.